Hello, everyone. My name is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky, nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you for joining us. It is Friday, August the 25th, 2023, wrapping up a great uh, week here with uh, Nathan Jones. I'm so glad he was able to join us. Uh, we have gotten some great feedback on our first two uh, podcasts with him as we've been talking about the Mighty Angels of Revelation. That's the title of his book. And uh, I tell you what, I am learning so much. I'm just like, you know, sitting here as a student listening as we go through uh, section by section of the book of Revelation and see uh, how uh, and angels play a role, both good and bad angels, in the culmination of God's plan of the ages. So we'll bring Nathan on here in just a second uh, as we wrap up that series. You know, we left off last time in in the book of Revelation, and we had not quite gotten to Christ's second coming. But uh, today on the podcast, Christ is going to return, <laughs> at least as far as our discussion of uh, the book of Revelation. So we're looking forward to that. But I want to mention a couple of quick uh, things uh, that we've got going on, of course, uh, this uh, weekend. Today and tomorrow, I'm in Rockwall, Texas, as part of uh, the Hope for the Times conference put on by uh, Tom Hughes. Uh, Andy Woods will be there, Alex Newman, Olivier Melnick and a few other uh, speakers. Just honored to, to get to be at that conference. Uh, the conference itself is sold out. However, uh, you can purchase uh, live stream tickets, which will get you access not only to the speakers live today and tomorrow, but also uh, for 30 days, you'll have access to all of the messages. So I encourage you to do that. If you click the link on our website, it'll take you out to Hope for Our Times conference website, and uh, you can sign up for it. There, I think it's only 15 bucks, which is amazing. Uh, $15 to hear all those messages. Um, and I uh, just encourage everybody to check that out. It's not too late to sign up for a live stream uh, ticket. Uh, but uh, we've had a great week uh, this week at Not By Works Ministries. Uh, we started out on Monday with episode seven of Dr. Hickson Answers Your Questions and uh, really enjoyed that. Some great questions and uh, Already uh, getting a lot of great feedback from that. Uh, and then, of course, Tuesday night was Prophecy Night when we talked about the imminency of the rapture and uh, just trying to really nail down that doctrine, which is so critical. And, and yet so many people really misunderstand what we mean by the imminency of the rapture. Wednesday was World Events Update with Randy, uh, on fire as always, uh, talking about everything that's going on uh, in this crazy mixed up world. And, uh, and then uh, today, of course, we've got Nathan on. So really looking forward to uh, our discussion uh, today. And uh, Nathan, what an honor to have you back on, uh, Dr. Nathan Jones. The book is called The Mighty Angels of Revelation. You can get it through Lamb and Lion Ministries. You can also get it at Amazon. Uh, but Nathan, welcome back to the program. Oh, well, it's great to be on, uh, Dr. Hickson. Uh, the honor's all mine, brother. I, I sure appreciate uh, being able to share my studies of the Book of Revelation and angelology, and uh, hopefully we'll all grow and understand our Lord better. Amen. You know, the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit like joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so when we study the Word, it, it really pierces our heart, helps us grow up in the faith, and of course, it also is the power of God to salvation. You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So uh, as you all know, and our listeners know at Not By Works, we are passionate about the gospel. And, and we know we, uh, given the subject matter that we often talk about, uh, we, we find uh, people joining in and listening in that may not know the Lord. So as you're listening today uh, to uh, Nathan talk about 
the end times and what role angels are going to play. Uh, if you uh, feel convicted of your need for a Savior and there's never been a time in your life when you've trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation, let me urge you to do so today. And as always, if we can ever answer questions about uh, salvation or eternal life or the gospel, feel free to reach out to us at 1-800-895-1851. But with that, Nathan, uh, take it away. I hope somebody does come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I mean, that's the purpose, certainly mm -hmm. to edify the saints. And that's what the wonderful thing about the book of Revelation is. You got to remember that that John, um, the apostle John was, he's almost, uh, he's about 97 years old. He's on the, he's been exiled to the island of Patmos. He's missing his church in Ephesus at the time. He was the uh, archbishop or bishop, uh, pastor, basically, of the church in Ephesus. You know, all his friends had died. All the other apostles had long died. Uh, and so here he is. And he's this poor old guy in exile. Uh, church tradition even says that there was an attempt to boil him to death and it didn't work. So who knows what kind of skin lesions he had. And so here he is in this island thinking, oh, my goodness, I followed the Lord Jesus all my life. And here I am sitting in this dank cave on this prison island. I'm a physical wreck and I'm all alone. And, but the Lord comes in all his glory and visits him and makes a promise in Revelation 1-3 that he who hears the words and does what's in the prophecy uh, of this book are, are going to be blessed. So John gets this blessing. He gets this unveiling, which is you know the word for Revelation to apocalypsis, to unveil. So he gets to see the Lord's victory. And so that's very important for bringing hope to the church. So I hope, uh, JB, mm -hmm. that folks are edified in the study of Revelation because it's meant to, even though it goes through the darkest time period, the tribulation era, it still mm -hmm. ends with great hope. And that's where we're at, folks. We're at part three. Uh, I, we only meant to do one part, uh, but there's just 72 angels or groups of angels found in the book of Revelation. So we've had to make this three parts, but we're getting very close to the second coming. So we've gone through some pretty rough spots there. We, of course, listened to the messages to the seven angels over the churches. We've been introduced to the seraphim and the cherubim, the, the servant angels, the strong angel. Uh, we learned about how angels are ordered. Uh, we looked at the four wind angels who control the winds, uh, the branding angel, the incense angel. You get into the trumpet judgment angels. There's also vulture angels, a star angels. We got into the demonic world, locust demons, Abaddon, their general, uh, the chimera. And the, we saw colossus angels. We got to see Satan, who's the red dragon. We were introduced to the archangels like Michael, uh, the angels that take care of the Jewish people in the wilderness, the nourishing angels. Uh, we've got others who have bring like the gospel message who brings the gospel to to all the world during the tribulation and then we went through the bowl judgments the seven bowl judgments and the angels that released the worst of god's wrath upon the tribulation and how the antichrist will use demonic looking or frogs that they're demons that look like frogs to gather the people to armageddon and so we ended there at Revelation chapters 15 and 16, and we're ready to pick up in Revelation 17 and 18 with Mystery Babylon. All right. Yeah. And I love the way you you set the stage there contextually with John. You know, we often forget about some of that uh, spade work, I call it, of the author, the audience, the setting, the historical context. And uh, and what a what an incredible blessing it was to, must have been for the Apostle John, who, you know, it had been six decades since he walked and talked with the Lord, and yet here he, uh, under the inspiration of the Spirit, is able to receive and record 
uh, the end of the story, basically. So, uh, so what a wonderful blessing. It is. It, it, the Lord always does that, especially uh, I wrote another book uh, about the minor prophets called 12 Faith Journeys of the Minor Prophets. And it's amazing how often people skip those books because it sounds like God is mad throughout him. And of course he is. His, he considers Israel like his child and his child is rebellious against him. And so, you know, a father's disciplining. But even though the Lord is chastising Israel for their sin and trying to bring them back into repentance and a right relationship with him, he always ends with messages of hope. Uh, to show that restoration will come to those who put their faith and trust in him. And that's exactly what the Lord follows that same MO into the book of Revelation. He says, hey, the world is evil. The world is is just sinful, and I'm not going to let it go on much longer because I'm a God of justice. So I will bring this tribulation error onto the world for the purpose of bringing a believing remnant, especially of the Jewish people, out of the tribulation. And so it's meant to give us hope because— it's about Jesus's victory. It's about him defeating evil and setting up his kingdom of peace and righteousness and justice. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I want you all to understand that this isn't all about gloom and doom and judgment and God's wrath. That's part of it. It's the it's the the storm before the the sun breaks through the clouds, and mm-hmm. we're about to see the sun break through the clouds here in the book of Revelation. So we're at the end, and what we've got here is. Mystery Babylon, Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Uh, My interpretation of Mystery Babylon is called a mystery for good reasons, because we don't know what it is. But when you read those two chapters, it appears that Mystery Babylon is the representation of the Antichrist kingdom, both the spiritual side and the political side. And so this is the kingdom that Satan has been working to build for thousands of years to get the entire world to worship him. That's his goal. That's his objective. We read about it in Jeremiah and Isaiah, that is, or excuse me, Ezekiel and Isaiah, that his goal is to have the world esteem him like God and have all of humanity made in the Lord's image worship him. And he almost achieves that through this mystery Babylon, this one world government where he has possessed a man called the Antichrist. He has a false prophet, and the two of them, or three of them, he called the unholy trinity, rule over the planet. Now, the Lord's judgments have been 21 judgments coming down on the planet, and the planet is pretty much destroyed. And there's not a a whole lot of, you know, the 8 billion people we have today aren't there. We know half of the the world's population post-rapture and after the rapture happens, before the tribulation will die. And as we get near the end of the tribulation, there's less and less people. His kingdom is shrinking. But finally, Uh, This is the 64th angel in the list of 72 angels, and it's called the authority angel. At least that's the, he doesn't give us his name, but that's the name that he has. And so we can read about the authority angel in Revelation 18, and verses 1 through 3 goes, After these things, I saw another angel come down from having, having great authority, hence the authority angel. And the earth was illuminated with his glory, and he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen as become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So here we've got an angel, this great authority angel, calling down condemnation on the Antichrist's earthly kingdom. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I love what L.A. Marzulli says. Uh, when we go up, they come down, talking about the demons. And so, you know, as as you read there in chapter 18, verse 2, the 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 earth has essentially become a dwelling place of demons and and Babylon, that that you know, mystery system that a mystery, of course, as you said, uh is something that's uh, you know, doesn't necessarily mean it's 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 uh mysterious like an Agatha Christie novel, but it is something that the people of God had not previously contemplated. It's a new revelation, a new information that's now being made clear. And and that is that, you know, God is the, the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to preside over this one world political, religious and economic system that is uh, going to reach its apex right here uh, at the Battle of Armageddon and the, and the return of Christ. Absolutely. This is this is the climax. This is how this is like when you watch one of those Batman movies, you know, and the the Riddler or the Joker, or the Penguin, whatever, it seems to have got it all. They're controlling Gotham and Batman's on his last leg and it looks like he's not going to win. Uh, you know, it's hard to compare the tribulation to a Batman movie, but, you know, for Sega, it's, it's dark, it's evil. It's it's as bad as it can get. And you think, oh, man, where's the hero? You know, when is he going to show up? When are you going to see the bat signal in the air? Again, not to compare Jesus to Batman, but I'm saying here is that this is the the darkest time period in all of human history. I would say probably even worse than the flood. The world, the Bible says the world would not survive. Nobody or no creature would live if the tribulation lasted more than seven years. So the ant Satan is a destroyer. He's a deceiver. And so he can't build an empire and rule over it. He can only destroy things. And by this point, most of the earth is, is pretty well destroyed. And so this is where we get the 65th angel called the stone angel. And he's I call him the stone angel, obviously, because he's carrying a giant stone. We can read about it in uh, Revelation 18.21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone. That's a you know the big round stones they use for grinding grain. And he threw it into the sea saying, thus with violence, this great city Babylon, meaning the Antichrist kingdom, shall be thrown down and shall be found uh, shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpers shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman or any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of the millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. And he goes on to explain that the, the blood of the prophets and the saints who were slain on the earth, this is, this is their justice. So we've got this massive angel with this massive millstone, and he hurls it into the ocean. And uh, whether it's real or symbolic, but it means the destruction of the Antichrist kingdom. And so this is it. This is the end of the Antichrist headquarters, the Antichrist kingdom. It, it could actually talk about the destruction of his capital city, which is called Babylon, whether people take it as the Babylon in Iraq that's rebuilt or Rome or Jerusalem. I, I don't believe it's Jerusalem, but let's say it's for arguments, like the Babylon in Iraq. Uh, this city will be destroyed not by human hands, by angelic hands. Yeah, I do take it that uh, there will be a literal rebuilt Babylon as kind of the political headquarters. But I think the Babylon system, the beast system, will have many outposts, uh, at least uh, two. And specifically, I think a religious outpost is likely to be Rome. And then the economic outpost, if America is still around by that time, is likely to be New York City, which is currently the, the financial empire of the world. So I think, you know, it's kind of like when the president Wherever the president goes of our country, whether he's at Camp David or 
on Air Force One or wherever, that's that's kind of the seat of power, you know, POTUS, right? And you can track where POTUS is going. Well, I think the Antichrist um, and the false prophet will certainly be roaming the world in this uh, global dictatorship and and, 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 and tyranny. Uh, I call it in my new book, I call it a technocratic tyranny, uh, you know, but, but uh, I do believe that the physical Babylon will be in play and that's what's going to be destroyed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree. I, um, I, I'm not sure about New York City, but certainly the center of world government with the UN being there does seem to point to its position. Yeah, Again, I, folks, we don't. Yeah, I was going to tell you what, we don't know what America's future is in prophecy, but <laughs> that's exactly right. I was just going to say that. I mean, if the Lord doesn't come back soon, I mean, America is basically on life support. It's really actually, you know, it's like a car that's already crashed through the guardrail and is hurtling toward, you know, <laughs> the, the ground. And, uh, and it's just a matter of when the rapture happens. But, uh, yeah, currently I think, uh, certainly New York city has a lot of Luciferian in, you know, influence and, and it's a big power center, but who's, who knows? yeah yeah absolutely but okay folks that's it's dark but we're we're here now the antichrist is being defeated and we've get these what i call wedding announcement angels the 66th group of angels we can find them in revelation chapters 19 verses 6 through 10 and i heard john and it was the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and the sound of mighty thunderings saying alleluia for the lord god omnipotent reigns let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints so here we've got these these wedding announcements angels, and they're talking about the marriage of Christ to the church uh, happening up in heaven, that the church has been raptured before the tribulation time period. We're up celebrating the marriage supper of the lamb. Uh, we're, we're experiencing the judgment of the just where we're getting the rewards for the works the Holy Spirit did through us, and we're preparing to return with Jesus Christ. So what we're seeing here is a preparation, a rallying of us, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, up in heaven, this is where we re-enter the story, and the church is being prepared to follow Jesus Christ as he comes back. And this is where we get to the next group of angels, and this is a kind of a question mark whether they're angels or not, and that's the white horses. We read about these white horses here also in Revelation chapter 19. And this is interesting because uh, we read verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes wars and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean followed him on white horses. So now these could obviously be white horses having, you know, there's obviously animals up in heaven, but these also could be angelic horses because we ride them from heaven down to earth. You know, normal horses can't ride across the sky or whatever. So uh, it makes people wonder, is there, are these like pegasuses? Do they have wings? Are they angels? Or what are they exactly? So I did categorize them as one of the angelic group because they're just not ordinary horses, but I'll put a big question mark on it. I don't know. What do you think, JB? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the rules, uh, as I talk about in my hermeneutics classes for figuring out the figurative is if a literal meaning would would it would imply or involve something you know absurd or something beyond uh logic 
then it's likely a figure of speech. And, and that kind of comes to mind here because, you know, horses are t- made of material and atom. They're, er- they're atoms. They're earthly. They're, you know, they're, we, they're, we know flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. So we don't have physicality in heaven, in the, in the eternal realm, so to speak, outside of time, space, and matter. So to me, this is, I've always taken it as a figure of speech. I don't think they're literal you know, flesh and blood horses, the way we think of them on earth. Uh, but uh, they could be angels manifesting as horses. Uh, they could have just been described as horses. So much of what John describes, he's just saying, hey, here's what I see. And, and we're left to speculate about what it actually is. Uh, so, yeah, that's an, I think angels is perfectly a legitimate uh, understanding of that passage. What's interesting to me, I always like to point out when you look at Revelation 1911, is that this is the second time in Revelation that we've seen a rider on a white horse. The first time was at the beginning of the tribulation with the first seal judgment, uh, and that's the Antichrist. He's an imposter who's coming to wage war and cause problems. But the second time around, uh, as he goes on to say, he had on him a name that was written uh, faithful and true. Uh, and so the second time, it's Christ himself, the real deal, uh, not uh you know, not the imposter. So the the book of Revelation kind of bookends with this final climactic battle between the false Christ and the true Christ. Beautifully said. And it's one of the best passages in the Bible. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. It's Jesus Christ returning in his glory. This is when the hero shows up. Mm. This is when the world is at its darkest. Mankind uh, is on the brink of extinction. And what we see is heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, like we read, uh, follow him on their white horses. And folks, we're going to know what those white horses are someday, because if you're (laughs) saved— That this is where you're on the story. We will be riding those things. I, uh, my buddy and our good friend Don Perkins, uh, he says he's even got his horse named. So, oh, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and so, we got here Jesus comes, he's coming out of the heavens, he's got the entire angelic realm, he's got all of the church riding behind him, all the faithful saints throughout history. I mean, all of heaven opens up and followed Jesus Christ down. And it says, verse 15, now out of his mouth, Christ's mouth, comes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm. So, folks, Jesus Christ is coming back. He promised it. He said it three times that I'm coming back, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. We could find it throughout the last chapter of Revelation. And here he is, we're seeing this. And what is he coming back to? He's coming back to Armageddon. This is the final battle. The Antichrist has managed through these three frog demons to collect the armies of the world, to bring them into the Valley of Jezreel in Israel, and gather them in anticipation of Christ's return. Again, that's Satan's old, tired strategy get enough people get enough angels together and we can conquer jesus <laughs> never works it never he'll try it again at the end of the millennial kingdom but it doesn't work so this is where we're introduced to the sun angel angel number 68 it says then i saw an angel 
standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God. Mm. So here we have all the evil of the world. Uh, we have the people who have sworn allegiance to Satan through the Antichrist. They're wearing their mark. And what are they to Christ in the angelic realm? Nothing more than supper for birds. Mm. That's how weak and pathetic Satan is compared to Jesus Christ. I love it. I always love reminding Satan of what a loser he is. I mean, he just can't uh, try as he might. He can't accomplish the coup attempt to take over this world. And that's why Psalm 2, David tells us he, God laughs up there in heaven at what Satan is trying to accomplish because it is so futile. It is. It is. Uh, I don't know if for you are Gen Xers like me and you used to watch uh, Transformers or G.I. Joe uh, there were characters. Uh, Starscream was the second in command of the bad guys, and Cobra Commander was the guy in charge of Cobra. They're voiced by the same guy, Chris Lotta. And it was, he's like the perfect example of Satan power hungry, mad, evil, dangerous, even, but fails again and again and again. Uh, and he's destined for failure. And so here we get. They're introduced to the 69th group of angels called the executioner angels. And then the beast, which is, uh, you know, the Antichrist was captured. And with him, the false prophet who works signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. And these two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So Jesus Christ comes in. Folks, when we think of a battle, you know, like, all right, we're going to come with Jesus. We're going to be punching demons and and beating up the Antichrist. No, it, this is Jesus Christ's victory alone. He comes down. He's got the power. He's the one when he lands on the earth at last, he splits the Mount of Olives in two. He rescues the Jewish people trapped inside Jerusalem as it's under siege. And by just speaking, his enemies melt in the Valley of Jezreel fills with their blood. And then he sends these angels, these executioner angels, to grab the Antichrist and false prophet, and he sends them directly to hell, right to the lake of fire. That's it. No judgment, uh, no great white throne judgment for them. They are cast into the lake of fire. Yeah, no, no due process for them. Um, kind of like America these days with no due process, but uh, yeah, they go straight to straight to hell. I'm reminded of Paul's words in 2 Thessalonians 2, where it says in verse 8, then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his coming and destroy with the brightness of his coming. I mean, that's wow. what you just read about in Revelation 19. Uh, Paul is just speaking under the inspiration of the Spirit about that future time, where, as you say, with a word, it's over. There's not much of a battle. You know, it's kind of like that boxing match, which, you know, everybody gears up to watch. You know, it's it's a, one of the biggest matches of the century, the reigning heavyweight champion and the contender up against them. And they all invite all their friends over. They pay $100 to watch it on HBO and they pop the popcorn and they get everything ready. They sit down and the, the first bell goes off uh, uh, and, 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 and the guy comes out and with one punch, he levels them and he's knocked out and it's all over and everybody's going around looking at each other going, wow, that was quick. <laughs> what are we going to do with all this popcorn? You know, <laughs> that's a great illustration. It's exactly that. I mean, uh, earlier in the book, I, I go through a detail explaining what the power levels of the, the demons and the angels are compared to God. And really, there, there's no comparison. I mean, there, we're talking about creator versus creation. You know, creator doesn't create things equal to his own strength and power. And so Satan is never, even though Satan is the greatest, most powerful creature 
ever made. I mean, he's the greatest of creation, the Bible says. He still is nothing compared to God. Mm -hmm. Now, folks might ask, well, why is God letting Satan run amok? Well, because for God has always planned to fill heaven with people who've chose to be with him. So life is about a choice, and you don't have a choice unless you have something to choose between. And that's why Satan has been running amok for the last 6,000 or so years, because it gives people a choice to choose Christ or not, choose salvation or not. But his time's coming up the end, and this is where we get to the 70th angel, whom I call the jailer angel. And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So we know the Antichrist and false prophet are sent directly to the lake of fire. But the Lord will now take uh, Satan. He uses this jailer angel to tie him up with chains and he casts him down into the bottomless pit. That's the same pit we read about where the locust demons in Abaddon had come out. So here we've got the the Satan is for a thousand years cast into this bottomless pit. The only thing that I, I researched and I researched this, JB, I can't figure out what the Lord did with the demons. Mm -hmm. I assume the demons were sent directly to the lake of fire or to Hades, the torment section, waiting the great white throne judgment. The Bible doesn't say, and that's a mystery to me. In your research, uh, have you found out anything? What happens to the demons? Yeah, I mean, I, I get that question a lot about what's what's happening in, during the millennium with the demons. We know where Satan is, but where are the demons? And and we do know, of course, as Jesus said, that ultimately they're going to the everlasting fire that's prepared for the devil and his angels, as Jesus said. But uh, my best guess uh, is, again, you know, the Bible is silent on that, so we have to just speculate and make some theological inferences. But I know that during the millennium, even though Satan is bound up and deception will be largely kept under wraps, there will still be deception. People will still reject the gospel eventually once people are born during the millennium. And like all human beings, those born during the millennium are born dead in their trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2.1, and they'll need to trust Christ as their Savior. And so, and yet we know by the end of the thousand years, there's a whole contingent of unbelievers. So I just, I feel like Satan probably during that time is going to be like the mob boss that's in prison. He's he's less powerful. He doesn't have as much free reign, but he can still kind of run the show a little bit from, from the prison cell. Uh, and I think Satan's going to use demons during that time to continue to uh, you know draw people uh, away from the gospel. That's just my best guess. Yeah, it, it's tough. I, I kind of trend to the side that the demons are put away in torments or at least sent directly to hell because the to have demons running amok during Christ's millennial kingdom with Jesus ruling and reigning from Jerusalem and everybody who enters into the millennial kingdom are saved believers who have survived the tribulation. Uh, <clears throat> the the church, the tribulation saints who died and the Old Testament saints who are resurrected at the end of the tribulation will join the church age saints and we will rule and reign over that kingdom. I have a hard time seeing where demons fit in that. So I tend to think yeah. that they're put away as well. But, yeah, and, uh, and 
And you might be right, but one thing that that I that I think about is that you know we tend to think of demonic the demonic realm in the context of what we know and what the Bible describes in the present church age, where the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. But it's a different world then, and so I just I kind of think it's possible that those demons could be like running around with without a leader, wondering what's going on. They're not going to be well organized, Satan. You know, they're not going to have access to him probably uh, because he's bound up, and but yet. Somehow, through demonic realm, they're going to be able to 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 still kind of fulfill his orders. But you're right. I mean, it it could be, uh, and it does. There's a lot of theological uh, evidence, so to speak, to support uh, the view that you're talking about. Because you know, we know that during the, the 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 one of the purposes of the millennium is to show the world that even in the most idyllic of conditions, the heart of man is desperately wicked. And uh, and they will many many will still reject the gospel. So so who knows? It's it's a tough one. It is tough because uh, you what you've got is an interesting system. You've got Jesus physically ruling and reigning. You've got at least once a year where all the nations go up to visit Jesus. It's probably a rotating time period, so he can fit everybody there. So they'll see their Messiah face to face. They'll be uh, led by people in their glorified bodies. <clears throat> so the tribulation saints and their earthly bodies who survived the tribulation will have children, and but those children still get to decide as well. So what we've got here is a thousand years of the utopia mankind has always dreamed of. Satan is released at the very end by order of God, and Satan then goes out and deceives the world. And one of the most tragic stories in all of human history, and it hasn't even happened yet, is that children of those born during that time period will choose to follow Satan. Mm. Not all of them, of course, but many, it's like the sands of the sea. It's so many, they'll follow Satan and they'll once again, attempt to overthrow Jerusalem. Jesus doesn't waste time on a flood or a tribulation. He just sends fire. He burns them up and we move into the next phase of human history, which is the, after the great white throne judgment will be the eternal state. And this is where we're introduced to the eternally good news angel. This guy's got the eternally good news. Revelation chapter 21, three and four, he says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So we've come full circle to the book of Genesis, where the Trinity walked and talked and had fellowship with Adam and Eve until sin separated us. Then we got the Old Testament, where occasionally the angel of the Lord Jesus Christ and pre-incarnate, or the Holy Spirit would come on to a person like Samson, for instance, and give them strength. But it's not to the church age did we have Jesus for a few years, and then the Holy Spirit indwelling believers. We get to the millennial kingdom, and Jesus is here all the time, 24-7, ruling and reigning. The, we read earlier about the Holy, Holy Spirit as the Shekinah glory over the millennial temple, but the Father has still been isolated in heaven away from us, and now we're at the eternal state. Only people who are saved are in the eternal state, and this is where the tabernacle of God is with man, the Father now dwells with mankind in a super city called the New Jerusalem. And chapters 21 and 22 go into detail and explain the city. It's It would be the size of the Atlantic to Colorado and from Canada to Mexico in size, uh, 1,500 miles cubed. And so that goes straight up as well. It's made of all these jewels. And you've got this eternally good news angel announcing, yes, at last, we've come full circle, mankind and God dwelling in one place, 
And this is where we're introduced to the 72nd group of angels that this amazing city has 12 gates. And each of the gates are made of one gigantic pearl, and there are guardians at the gates. And so we can read about these angels. It says uh, 21, uh, 2, and 9 through 27. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down unto heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for a husband. And she had great and high walls with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. I, I once had somebody write in and say, and we're actually terrified of the new Jerusalem because they thought it was like a giant prison. I'm like, prison? Yeah, it's all this giant cube and we're all locked in there. I'm like, no, <laughs> there's 12 gates and there's guardian angels at the gates as kind of an honor thing. But that means the people come in and out and it'll be on the new earth. And some uh, theologians have surmised, uh, talk to scientists like, well, how big would the earth have to be to support such a city? And the, the earth would have to be as big as Jupiter to support such a city. And you've got the entire universe where the, we come and go in and out of our home and we explore the universe that God has made. And uh, each of these gates has is named after uh, one of the uh, 12 founding uh, patriarchs. Uh, you know, the 12 uh, sons of, of Jacob. And so who knows, you might get in and out of Issachar Gate or Jebulon, Zebulon Gate or Judah Gate, and you say hi to the angel who's the, the honor guard over that gate. But uh, no, we're not trapped in the city forever. It's a, it's a wonderful, it's our home, folks. Mm. You might call the local city, the local state you live in your home, but the New Jerusalem, that's the home that Jesus promised that he made for us in John 14. And as you said, the Bible comes full circle back to a pre-fall Edenic state. Uh, God makes all things new. Uh, and, you know, that's, uh, you know, I'm going to be speaking uh, tomorrow at the conference there in Rockwall about why Bible prophecy matters now more than ever. And I'm going to talk about how it, it's astounding to me that so many people are disinterested in the end of the story. I mean, the Bible begins in the beginning and yet so many people just completely ignore the ending. I mean, how can you do that? It just it's just baffles me. And yet here it is. The Bible tells a story of God's plan of redemption, his plan for the, the earth, his plan for angels, his plans for human beings and people and I mean and animals. And uh and and the Bible kind of ties it all up and shows us that God wins in the end. Amazing. Yes, it's it's what we're long for, what we were made for. Uh, I don't know about you folks, but uh this world just doesn't feel right. I mean, it's like you're not in your right skin. Well, that's because, you know, I got, it's funny. I love you. Uh, I had this wonderful woman, Jeanette Moles, uh, older lady, and she mailed me a bug, JB. I can't believe it. She actually took a cicada shell, put it in a, a little cup, wrapped it, put it in a box, wrapped the box and mailed it to me. I, this is the first time in my life I've ever been mailed a bug, but she then emailed me <laughs> with a picture of a cicada coming out of its shell into its final form. So you mm. know how insects go through different phases. And it was beautiful illustration that she wanted to remind me that this phase that we're in now is like the third middle intermediate phase for a cicada. It's just the shell that's discarded, the final phase, the beautiful green bug with the fancy wings that make all that noise. That's the final, that's the glorious phase. And that's the phase that we're looking forward to. That's the phase that Christ promised upon the rapture. It's our resurrection into our glorified bodies 
it's what we're meant to be living in for the rest of our lives. You know, we didn't stay in the womb. We didn't stay toddlers. We didn't stay teenagers. We grew and developed. Likewise, we are going to leave these shells and go into our new and glorified bodies. And we are going to spend eternity with our creator, uh, getting to know him. And as he's infinite, we will endlessly be chasing after getting to know him. We'll be learning forever. We'll be uh, working on our gifts and talents. And and uh, uh, my uh, back in when I was a kid, I was I learned violin for three years. And after three years, my violin teacher said, Mm, please stop. <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs> so maybe I'll have a thousand years to learn the violin or even better the cello. And there's a universe out there, unexplored, a vast empty painting that who knows what the Lord has plans for. Maybe when he says the church will rule and reign with him, maybe that's just not the millennial kingdom. Maybe that's planets, star systems, galaxies, clusters of galaxies. We don't know, oh, but yeah. there's so much waiting ahead for us because and it's only made possible because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Amen. Yeah, no, it's it's uh you know people talk about what are we going to be doing in heaven and and I can just imagine setting off uh uh to to head out on an ex- exploration you know t- t- trip and and uh, we explore explore and explore and then uh you know someone says well what are we going to do tomorrow and I'll say tomorrow what are you talking about today's not over. I mean we got we got an eternal day. We could just keep going. We don't get tired, we don't wear out, we don't have an agenda. Uh, it is going to be amazing. Yeah, I had the same experience as a kid. I took clarinet, and my teacher said, uh, you know what? Why don't you take three weeks off and then quit? So that's that's what I did. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, brother, I'm, I'm in the club with you. Yeah, my son learned clarinet, and uh, yeah, it's it's tough. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's an exciting uh, world ahead of us. You know, it, it's a good reminder. I, mm. I, I so sad when pastors won't teach the book of Revelation because they're mm. they're scared about the you know the chapters between six and nineteen, but it's the glorious victory of Jesus Christ and the summation and the end of all of human history for this era. We're mm. into a glorious new era to come. Really, there is a great blessing as as Revelation one three promised when you read and take to heart the book of Revelation. So I I urge you all if you're listening to JB's podcast, I'm sure that you're already deep in the Bible. But if you haven't tackled Revelation yet, uh, please uh, do that. Uh, there's lots of commentaries and, and books like uh, The Mighty Games of Revelation, books that JB's written, others to help you understand what a glorious future you have if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. Because for those who haven't put their trust in Jesus Christ, the curses of Revelation will fall upon them. So we need to take the book of Revelation very seriously. Amen. Yeah, it all comes down to, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? And uh, so many people today think they can somehow commend themselves before a holy God by uh, accumulating book after book after book, listing all of their good deeds and their good works. But uh, the Bible says there's only one book that matters, and that is the Book of Life. And the only way to have your name written in that book is by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again for your sins. And so, again, if you have not done that, Please. It's a simple matter of childlike faith. It's not something complicated. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops or sign a contract or raise a hand or walk an aisle or say some uh, repetitious prayer. It's a simple matter of faith, which is a matter of the heart. Uh, Ask yourself, who are you trusting today to forgive your sin and give you the gift of eternal life? And if it's anything or anyone other than Jesus, then your faith is misplaced. And we want to encourage you to trust in Jesus Christ alone. So, Nathan, any closing thoughts? 
I think you said it. it yeah. It, all <laughs> of life. I mean, the tribulation really is a, a narrowing down of an obvious choice, Jesus or Satan, mm. uh, heaven or hell. And so I think you said it beautifully. Yes. It's yeah. the, the choice. We It's kind of watered down now because we think we have a lot of time, but as we see, the signs of the times are pointing to the soon return of Jesus Christ. The rapture is coming, which means the tribulation will come shortly after that. And you don't want to live through the tribulation uh, uh, except Jesus Christ today. He is calling you. If you feel the Holy Spirit tugging your heart, then reach out to him in faith and accept him as the Savior and Lord of your life. Amen. Well, Nathan, thank you so much. This has been phenomenal. We will definitely have you back on. Uh, maybe we can talk about your uh, your new book uh, next time on the Minor Prophets. That's a book about all the prophets that are under age 18, right? The Minor Prophets? Yes. Well, Zechariah was probably pretty young, but yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the part of the, the end of the Old Testament that most people skip is just yeah. so rich in stories about how to grow in our faith. And for the second edition of this book, I've added all the prophecies that can be found in each of the books and list when they happened or when they will happen. So I call this the prophecy edition of the 12 faith journeys of the minor prophets, which currently is at the printer, but hopefully we'll have before uh, the conference in um, for folks, if you're going to the Prophecies Watchers Conference or tuning in through streaming in mid-October, I will be speaking on the Mighty Angels of Revelation. Bob Ulrich asked me to speak on that, so got to put a sermon together on that. And uh, I will also be speaking on the Minor Prophets and their prophecies as well. So uh, I'll have a table there. Please come visit. Yeah, I will be together there. I think that's uh first weekend of October, if I remember right. Um, oh, and, yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, so, yeah, that's in Norman, Oklahoma. Looking forward to that. Um, and um, and and so, yeah, we'll we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely have you back on. Uh, but until next time, folks, uh, thanks for listening. Have a great uh, weekend. If you happen to be in the DFW area, I know the conference is sold out in terms of uh, in-person seats, but you can still pop by the location over there and come to our table and say hello to me and Wendy. We'd love to just put a name with the face, but otherwise, uh, check out the the live stream uh, link that's at our website where you can purchase tickets from Hope for Our Times and, and Tom Hughes Ministry there. So thank you, everyone, for listening. God bless and have a great weekend.